Welcome to a brand new episode of the Bull Take Podcast. I'm Austin Hill. With me, as always, is Austin Waiter. And we're back talking college football. Some big stuff going down in college football. Had a big weekend last weekend. And obviously, some big news just broke, which we're going to lead with first. Um, but before that, we'll have an NFL episode probably come out tomorrow. Um, but boy, oh boy, let's not wait. Let's get into, yeah, let's get into some it. big yeah. news that uh, just broke. Uh, Big Ten looks like it's going to suspend Jim Harbaugh from being on the sideline of Michigan games for the rest of this regular season. And boy, oh boy, that could be big and impactful coming down the stretch. What, last three games here in the regular season? And Penn State and Ohio State are two of those three. Two top ten matchups to end, uh, to end your final three games and your head coach not being there, you know, might make things just, just a tad bit more challenging. Uh, yeah, so obviously we saw earlier this year him facing a suspension and them playing without him the first three games of the season. Um, but they didn't really play anybody, and obviously they weren't tested quite as much. This will be different, especially it seems like Penn State this weekend starting to get back into the flow of things after that loss, really opening up that passing game. Uh, and so that's going to be an interesting matchup. Obviously, it was already a big matchup to watch this weekend. Now it'll be even more important. Um, but while we're on the subject of Michigan, um, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of takes, a lot of personal opinions thrown around out there. <laughs> um, and so I just thought it'd be a great time for us to kind of state how we feel. And I see some people saying that I can't remember exactly who made the quote, but it was uh, sign stealing. Oh, Theo Riddick said sign stealing is part of the game. No, Lewis Riddick. Is that his name? I think, yeah, Lewis I think it's Riddick, Lewis yes. Riddick. Yeah. Uh, Theoretic, I think it was Notre Dame running back for That's, a little bit. I, I, actually, I think that is. Um, like so, but Lewis Riddick um, said that back when he played, sign stealing is a part of the game, and figuring out your opponent's uh, signs is gets you an upper hand. And I don't disagree with that. You want to figure out what certain calls and what certain signs really? mean over the course of a game. But when you're hiding people on sidelines of – a game your team is not even playing in, not even in your stadium. Uh, I mean, you're talking about having him sit on the Central Michigan sideline, potentially, in Central Michigan gear, pretending to be a Central Michigan staffer uh, at the Central Michigan-Michigan State game has nothing to do with the University of Michigan. Um, that's where this starts to toe the lines of being unfair and cheating. Uh, it's one thing if it's something you see in film. It's another thing if it's something you're illegally picking up uh, hiding in uh, on the sidelines. I, I think that goes without saying that that's uh, a different level. Uh, I'll agree with that statement. Uh, but listen, yeah, it's a part of the game, figuring out your team's tendencies and everything. But, you know, the big rule, and I know whether it's fair or not fair, the NCAA rules are the rules. You got to follow them if you're a part of it. I don't know what else to tell you. And your rules don't let you go on the sideline and just be right next to where they're doing their signals and everything when your team's not involved in the game. And also, you know, Michigan, it just seems just dumb in general that, you know, they go to these games and they sometimes they'll put them in the stands, unlike the Central Michigan one, but they'll just put them out there in like Michigan gear. Like, yeah. like you're telling me a Michigan fan at Ohio State game with a camera is not going to draw any attention. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to tell you. If you think that's not going to draw attention, you need help if you don't. I mean, that that that's just ridiculous in itself right there. Yeah. And I mean, to the people saying that it's part of the game and this, that and the other. Um, I mean, obviously, to some degree, there was something wrong about it. They wanted to hide it. Um, and as soon as this stuff started to come out and get more serious, obviously, they let uh, the prime su suspect go uh, from the university. They say it was mutual, but 
I mean, this wasn't going to happen had nothing come out about it. So oh, no. clearly the University of Michigan uh, had something to say about it, and clearly this is uh, an issue. And uh, ju- earlier, just today, Desmond uh, Howard made the statement that uh, that – you know, if this was in the SEC, this would never happen. Um, that there's this unfair bias in the SEC, and maybe there's some SEC favoritism. But again, this is violating a ton of rules throughout the NCAA. This is not something they're going to take lightly. Um, and to me, I'm beyond confounded that anybody. I know that Desmond Howard went to the university, but I'm I'm just dumbfounded that anybody could uh, truly defend this uh as something i mean we've even seen paul feinbaum go back on his word yeah. uh, after seeing the evidence and maybe desmond howard's just not as privy to the evidence but i mean even from what we're gathering here in the public uh it seems to be a pretty big ordeal yeah um if he's not aware to the evidence um what does he do at espn besides yeah. just get up on the stage and talk um and make some... he does the geico commercial where he wears the geico he forgot head. he forgot the yeah. What, what was the what was saying? He, he forgot the the word, talking points. Talking points. Thank you. Yeah, he he just he forgets the talking yeah. points on them. Um, but yeah, just saying there's SEC bias in general is just um, number one. It's kind of pathetic to put that blame whenever this again literally has nothing to do with the SEC. All it involves is Michigan. Um, and again, you know, listen, I'm I'm not one to condone cheating, but I mean, if you hide it well enough. You're not. No one's gonna find it. Yeah, I, I completely I mean, agree. I mean, I'm not saying you do know, it, do it, but I'm just saying if you're gonna do it, make sure you have everything covered. But if you're going to games in Michigan gear, if you're going on the sideline, I mean, going to the games, putting on like Ohio State gear. I know it may be disgusting wear for the yeah. afternoon, but that's like doable. But to go be like, no, you know what? No, we're gonna go on the sideline. I'm gonna put on gear. A hat, sunglasses, no one's going to know anything. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was beyond confusing, beyond perplexing. And the final thing I'll touch on here, uh, as uh, before we get into this past weekend slate of games and an exciting weekend it was, uh, was that after the college football playoff selections were announced, uh, there was a little bit of an interview with one of the, I think he may have been the head of the college football playoff committee right, um, right. and Chris this. Fowler and uh, Fowler had asked the question, you know, does any of this stuff with Michigan weigh into the decision-making of, you know, where you put them uh, in the college football playoff rankings? And his answer was in the most basic sense, no, um, what he said was they judge teams based on their ability to uh, play and make the postseason, and it is not a college football playoff issue. It is an NCAA issue. And with that, I stoutly disagree. Um, I think cheating and getting an unfair advantage, while maybe it's the NCAA's job to enforce the punishment, um, clearly uh, I don't think that co- the college football playoff committee can sit there and ignore that and obviously let them get the upper hand. Um, I mean, clearly, I think that it is, you know, how are you on the same level of play with everybody else if you're getting that extra head start? And it it just feels like you have some of these big cheating scandals come out and nothing happens. Uh, It it kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, We're starting to see some action from the Big Ten, and 
Uh, I, I fear that that may be the end of what happens. Uh, I, I here agree. I don't, know gonna, life. I don't know if they're going to do anything else about it. But a thing I want to add in here real quick, you know, I'm not saying I don't know how many years this goes back. You know, I don't know how long they've been doing it. But you wonder around 2021, remember, they beat Ohio State for the first time. And then the next year they go to Ohio State and absolutely dominate them. So, again, you know, and really – the only game between the two, the first one in 2021, I really don't think, at least in my opinion, Michigan did it. Um, just mainly, I just think they out physical to Ohio State. But the game last year, if you think about it, I mean, the way they just came out on the road and like blew out Ohio State, I mean, I could see, I could see the argument for that. But you know, so I don't think this has been going on long at Michigan, and clearly they aren't smart enough to come up with a good enough game plan for it. Uh, but yeah, they, they certainly made a statement with Harbaugh being not being able to be on the sidelines for the rest of the regular season. And, you know, I mean, we haven't had, you know, like that moment this year where there's like a major shakeup in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we haven't had like a top four team lose to an unranked opponent. This could be basically replacing that with him being gone against two top 10 opponents in the span of three, four weeks here. So um, yeah, all I got to say is get ready for the end of the year if you're Michigan because you're going to be in for a ride. Yeah, but let's get into this past weekend's events uh, and start to look ahead at uh, what exciting weekend we got this coming weekend. Uh, and we'll start with heartbreak for me first. Uh, Notre Dame falls to Clemson 31-23. to And I don't know what it was about the Clemson Tigers, uh, but they came out hot. They came out ready to play. Yeah. Um, and they really just brought it on the defensive end. So hats off to Clemson um, because I did not see this one coming. I was actually in the middle of coaching my Pee Wee basketball team. Uh, and to see the score that I saw uh, at halftime, I was disappointed. The important thing I have to ask you, though, did the team win? Did your Pee Wee team win? That's the important question. No, they did not. Oh, uh, we are man. playing in a jamboree, and for a lot of my kids, this is their first time playing any uh, form of gotcha. organized basketball. So the 0-3 at the jamboree doesn't count to the record awesome. purely. Good. So starting this Saturday, we'll get to uh, see what the team is really yeah, made of. It's over for the rest of y'all once we get to the regular season for them. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, it, it caught me off guard, too, because, I mean, you know, I thought they had a chance to keep it close, but I thought Notre Dame would make – able to pull it out in the end. But uh, credit to Clemson and uh, Phil Moffa. Yes, Phil Moffa. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't um, I don't know. We said that on here from the – No, I don't think we did. But, yeah, the, from the Florida State game, uh, Phil Moffa, they, they love saying his name. Uh, and then by the end of the game, uh, they were saying it, obviously, uh, to a bit of a different degree. You talk about some of the missed pass protections in that game. And uh, I think he had a massive fumble at the yeah. end of that game that really cost the team. Um, but it was a big game for Phil Moffa, oh, yeah. something we'll touch on a little bit later. But uh, you talk about Will Shipley not playing in this game, and that's really when I circled this game as a win for Notre Dame. Uh, that's, uh, I thought they were going to win this game beforehand, but no Shipley, Phil Moffa having to take lead duties and some of the struggles that he's had this season. Um, I thought that this would be a no-doubt win for Notre Dame, but he really uh, dominated on the offensive end and carried the ball well. So it was an impressive performance stepping up into that starting role. Uh, Ohio State uh, played a bit of a thriller with Rutgers. I know the final score doesn't show it, 35-16, to 16, uh, but Rutgers was winning this game at halftime, and they had a, a beautiful fake tush push. That, that um, be, if that's not the play of the year, I don't know what is. Yeah, I, I mean, it was beautiful. <laughs> and uh, what really was the icing on the cake for that play was the – 
horrendous tackling from Ohio State yeah. uh, down the field that allowed it to go for so long, just trying to rip at the ball. Uh, and gosh, just pushing his legs, keep going forward, keep going forward. Um, but Ohio State got it together in the second half uh, of this one. And like I said, really just dominated this one. But Rutgers gives Ohio State a scare. They've looked good this year, but Ohio State once again showing why they're uh, coming out at number one in these college football playoff rankings. Like you said, they had the best resume, uh, and they keep adding to that with some big wins. Yeah. Winning the game was supposed to. I give, them, I give them that. Now, again, like I said last week, do I think they're even close to being the number one team? Probably not. But like I also said last week, do we really know who the top team in college football is this year? I agree. Um, so – I don't know, but credit to Rutgers. I mean, they're a six and three team. I mean, this is a team coming in the year we had zero expectations for. And I know their six wins have come against Northwestern, Temple, Virginia Tech, um, Wagner, Michigan State, and Indiana. Not the greatest opponents in the world, but still, this is a bowl eligible Rutgers team. And they have they have a couple of games left that they could make some uh, more noise, maybe get up to eight or nine wins if they can win out. So good for them to keep it close. Um, but I mean, Ohio State, you're staying again. Like I said last week, it's about staying on track at this point of the year, not winning and dominating. But as long as you're staying on track and staying in the race, you're going to have a fighting chance. Absolutely. Um, and then we pan over and look at uh, Ole Miss against Texas A&M. And this is a three-point victory for number 10 Ole Miss. Uh, but boy, oh boy, did they need it. You take a look at that SEC West right now. And now uh, with a crucial matchup for Alabama in the SEC West that we'll talk about in a minute, uh, they stand up there with uh, Alabama at the top of the SEC West. Uh, and Alabama can now make no mistakes as well as Ole Miss coming into a big SEC matchup this weekend. Uh, but this was a big win for them. A&M has been fairly competitive this season. Obviously, they're I think they were, and they may still be, uh, yeah, number four in the SEC West. So this was a big game for them, too. They yep. didn't have uh, nothing to lose out here. They definitely uh, had a chance to make some noise in the SEC, but Ole Miss gets the job done at the end of the game, and they have looked really impressive since that loss early in the season. Yeah, I mean, and they've set themselves up really good this weekend. I mean, I think to say the least, yeah. they've set themselves up good. Um, yeah, big win for them. I saw at the very end, A&M took that lead. Uh, took that lead with about, I think, what, five minutes to go in the game? And that's why I kind of sat up and was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but credit to Ole Miss. They were able to drive down the length of the field. And, yeah, they're looking good. They're 8-1. and one. They're top 10. Now, they're 8-1 and one in conference, or they have one loss in conference. Bama doesn't have any. So they would need Bama to lose two in conference. But you look at Bama's schedule the remainder of the year, uh, I think they only do have two games left in SEC play, if I'm correct. I know they do got to play Kentucky this weekend on the road, which won't be an easy task. And then they played Auburn. So Ole Miss, besides just winning out, they need Bama to lose their next two in the SEC play, which is hard. But you got to think, you beat Georgia this upcoming weekend. You still went out. Do you not go to the SEC championship? No, you don't get to go. But you think about it, how many times have we seen in recent years where the team that is the second best in their conference is just sitting at home, just just chilling and getting fully healthy? waiting for the results of the championship games on that Saturday, and then they get to sneak in at the end. So it's a good chance for Ole Miss. It's a really good chance. Yeah, uh, you think about Alabama 2019, is that the year that they squeaked in after LSU? Uh, or 27, it, it was 2017. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, and they didn't play in an SEC. They didn't play in the SEC no. championship uh, game, but they had the one loss. 
and you know it wasn't extremely competitive they were probably the best team uh in the, they were probably a top four team and so they got that rightful place so win out and you give yourself a great chance especially with a big win over georgia uh, it makes it a little bit thinner at yeah. the top i mean and it wouldn't i mean that would put georgia in a winning out winning their out situation i mean winner go home for that sec title when they probably play alabama so absolutely um, but we look at the first of three massive matchups we had in the Big 12 uh, this weekend to help thin out. Really, it was the six teams that were the closest to the top in the Big 12 <laughs> all had to face off, and it made it cut, cut it in half. Uh, yep. Who was in competition here in the Big 12? And first, we had Texas versus Kansas State. This game goes to overtime, and Texas wins it by three. Talk about a thrilling way to start it off here. Um, but boy, oh boy. Uh, Texas has really rebounded since that Oklahoma loss, while Oklahoma has really fallen off since that game. And they couldn't be getting uh, harder at a better time, especially uh, reports have it. Quinn Ewers is back this yep. weekend. Yeah, um, having him back I think is definitely going to help, and they were able to get the win without him. I thought if they were able to win this game, he would probably return next week, and then that would definitely help them out uh, to finish the season strong. And, yep, here they are. They are able to get the win. Uh, they were very fortunate. If Kansas State had any clutch kicking earlier on in the game, this is probably an upset. But, you know, I give credit to uh, Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman. Fourth and goal in overtime. He says, I'm not kicking a field goal to go for the win uh, or go for the tie. I'm going to go for it and win this game on the road, which I respected. You're on Absolutely. the road. You're at Texas. You go. You keep on going to overtime against them. You have – you really just don't see a positive ending there. So he's like, listen, we're either going to get it here or we're going to walk out of here with a head tie. I know we were close. And they just uh, was not good execution on no. it, which is, you know, I feel bad for them that they couldn't get it. So they're still a talented football team. We saw in that matchup. And yeah, Texas, again, uh, another one. They're, they're staying right on track. And they're looking at one of those first few slots where, you know, I mean, really, we talk about these teams staying on track, and that's mainly because these top five are still undefeated. Yeah, You just need one of them to lose, and Texas or Ole Miss or Alabama and others can just move on up. But until they lose games, they're just going to be right in their right in position. And that's why I say you got to stay on track at this point in the season. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, you talk about that Kansas State decision to go for it. Uh, isn't that the same kind of decision-making that won them the Big 12 championship game last year against TCU? Didn't they uh, go for two? Uh, when they didn't have to or something say, like that. I want to say they had a fourth and goal goal line stand against TCU last year. Maybe so. Um, but still, I mean, that was a that was a great game last year. I mean, this is still very similar to that team from last year. And, you know, I really don't – I really think they're probably out of it in that Big 12 championship race now, which hurts. But, I mean, they're still going to be a problem for anyone that faced them the rest of the year and in a bowl game. But Texas, you're staying around on track, still have probably the best win of the season out of any team so far this year going on the road to Bama, who's another top 10 team and beating them uh, in convincing fashion, if we're being honest. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Texas, uh, as much as I hate saying it, they're, they're still hanging around. They are definitely hanging around. Uh, a truly heartbreaking one here, Our Air Force fell 23-3 to I was Army. hoping you wouldn't bring this up. Why you got to um, break my heart like this? <laughs> because we were both big, avid Air Force fans. Um, and it was tough to see this kind of defeat. But, uh, you know, we we will not forget the Cinderella run from Air Force this year to go 8-0. Um, and then Georgia and Missouri played in an absolute thriller 
Um, but I will take th- I will take this one for you, Missouri Tigers fans. I turned this game on and instantly Brady Cook threw an interception uh, at the end of the game, and so that I may have been the issue. Um, and for that, I am sorry. But the Georgia Bulldogs pull it out and they stay right up there at top again. They've played some tough games here down the stretch, and this is the game they've really looked most beatable in. Mm-hmm. But they still come out, they get the big wins, and again. Even though it's just barely, this is a two-possession win against their toughest challenge yet. Their toughest challenge of the season, and they still win by two possessions. Um, yeah, I mean, that just shows, again, that just shows the different level of confidence that Kirby's brought. And, you know, what winning two straight national championships and not losing a game in three years yeah. is like. So, um, you know, they they did a great job, especially because there were points. It looked like they were going to pull ahead. They were up 24-13. And it looked like they were going to be up by two scores. Here comes Missouri scoring a touchdown, two-point conversion. All of a sudden, it's a six-point game. I'm just like, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, you know, they're letting Missouri hang around. I was like, they got to capitalize. And their defense got a big interception. I thought the big man was going to take it to the house. And I'm always a fan of a big man touchdown. Absolutely. So, so close. But then they got the field goal. And then the defense was able to close it out. So, give them a ton of credit. And, you know, for Mizzou, I mean – there are two losses this year. You know, I I mean, I don't like Mizzou as much as any Arkansas fan does. Um, there are two losses this year to Georgia and LSU, some very quality SEC opponents. So disappointing, yes, but they have nothing to be ashamed of for those two losses. Those are the two of the top teams in the SEC. Absolutely. there. There's no shame in that at all. Um, Louisville and Virginia break their tie uh, for second place in the ACC with a uh, thrashing 34 to three Louisville. And I I hate to keep bringing it up. I know we harped on it a lot last week uh, when we talked about this team, (laughs) but this, this pit loss is disgusting is just absolutely brutal. It's a great change uh, of pace, obviously for Louisville um, being even more competitive than they were when Lamar Jackson was there. And that's the last time they were really this relevant. Um, but we're talking about not they'd be right there in the top five or six had they not lost that game to Pitt. I mean, they'd be undefeated. Um, and it, it, you just hate to see it for this team. Um, but they keep on pace. They're second place in the ACC. You beat Florida State, and you in the ACC championship with no losses the rest of the season, you make a really good case to the committee for uh, a college football playoff berth. Yeah, you do. But also, you know, like I talked about a second ago with those teams that are just waiting on the outside. If, you know, if only one or two of those teams end up losing in that top five and all those other teams move forward, Louisville's only going to move up to seven or eight. Yeah. So you wonder, I mean, we need this top five to really shake out for any true chaos to happen. And, I think it absolutely has a chance to this weekend with several factors and several games that that could happen. But really, uh, they're again, they're staying on track. That pit loss, yeah, I can't imagine um, how terrible they got to feel about that loss. But they almost had as bad of a loss last night against Virginia. Um, But props to them for getting another comeback win. And, you know, they're they're a fun team. You know, you you sent me that message immediately after the game. You're like, Virginia, Louisville is such a fun team yeah. this year. A great story. Yeah, a great story. First year coach. You don't know what to expect. He's an alumni of the school. Was a QB there. A great coach at Purdue. I mean, you talk about even in the bad years, they had a big win at least one. So I say what? So I forget the record against top five of yeah. when was there. But I mean, I mean, every single time there was a top five opponent that Purdue was facing, me and you looked at each other like. 
I mean, come on. Anything can happen. It's possible. Um, but yeah, they're staying around track. And I mean, they've gained full control second now. So, I mean, it's very simple for them and Florida State. You win out these final few games. Well, really for Louisville, you win out your final two games. Because remember, their final game, non-conference against Kentucky. But they only actually have one game left. I apologize. They're at Miami next next Saturday. You win that game. In the ACC You are in the ACC championship. And you are playing Florida State where you can help your resume and destroy Florida State's where maybe maybe no ACC teams get in once again. So I'm excited to see how Louisville finishes the year. It's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then we saw Penn State 51-15 against what was a surging Maryland team earlier this year. Obviously, we talked about it coming into this game. This is two teams that have looked completely different since playing Ohio State. Um, but, again, Penn State really picked it up. In this game, 240 yards through the air for Drew Allar, four passing touchdowns, and that was what they were missing against Ohio State. When the run game got stuffed, this team could not get the ball in the air and make the big plays, and now they do that in a, a game against a Maryland team that was competitive early in the year. They've had a rough start, but you think about it, getting that confidence in Drew Allar, going into this Michigan game, where now there's even going to be even more factors against the Wolverines. It really does uh, give James Franklin and Penn State uh, a little bit more hope. Yeah, I mean, number one, that game's at home. But like you said, I mean, they opened it up. I mean, this was a game I looked at. I said, this is going to be close. This will be a close one for Penn State to set up for next week. And, you know, they threw the ball a lot more. Drew Allard, he made some big-time throws. They have given downfield. They still had a solid ground game along with it. So give them a ton of credit. They dominated. And, you know, I, I have to say it, I'm officially back on the Penn State hype train. We're officially Absolutely. we have hopped back on. We had a little bit of a engine problem after a trip to Columbus, but the engine's back up and running all the way, hopefully, to Happy Valley through there and maybe to make some noise in a chaotic uh situation with Michigan there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There's a there's a lot to look forward to right now. Um then number four, Florida State survives. Uh, a closer game with uh, Pitts and Pitt and covers. Cover. I told you it was going to happen. This Pitt team has been unbelievably unpredictable, uh, but predictably unpredictable in my opinion. Twenty-four-seven <laughs> um, victory. Florida State stays on track. I think they may have clinched yeah, the ACC champion as as championship. Know, they, yeah, they have Florida in the season finale, and they and they have Miami this weekend. So oh, yep. So yeah. Yeah. And their last two games are non-conference, so. That, so Florida State is in. Uh, they get the job done in a closer fashion than they probably would have liked. But still, uh, a big win uh, against Pitt. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, second big matchup in the Big 12 from this past weekend. And this was a close game, a thrilling game. But Oklahoma State takes potentially the last bedlam, at least for now, um, over Oklahoma. And they put themselves at the top along with Texas one and two, both five and one in conference. And they took advantage of their full opportunities here. And now, I mean, it's green grass in front of them. You win, you're in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it really is pretty, it really is pretty similar. And also I want to give credit to both of us. Uh, this was my bet too. So we both did, we told you we were going to finish the season with at least 500 or better. We're going to get you your money back. And it's a 2-0 start in college football. I mean, I hate to say we told you so, but yeah. we told you so. But and we're coming back. Um, <laughs> um, but it was a great performance by Ollie Gordon in Oklahoma State. It looked like at points Oklahoma was figuring out and they were going to maybe sneak out of there with a win. But 
credit to the Oklahoma State defense. You know, Ollie Gordon has games on the ground, but that offense kind of stalled out in the second half at some yeah. portions, and the defense made the big stands late in the game, and, you know, the fans celebrated. They ripped that goalpost off. They threw it. I think it was in a pond. They were playing. We are never getting back together. Yeah. Um. I mean, the, I think it's safe to say that they they truly enjoyed what, at least for now, is going to be the final bedlam. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. They got the job done, and they they made it impactful. Um. But we look at uh the last of these three big matchups in the Big Twelve, and that's Kansas versus Iowa State. Kansas gets a big win, uh, puts Iowa State to two losses in conference as well. Uh, 28-21, another thrilling game. But you look at this conference, and uh, a lot of these teams, three games left in conference. So you look at it, Texas and Oklahoma State sit at top one yep. and two, both five and one. Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, <laughs> and Iowa State are all four and two. So there's no breathing easy no, for Texas, no. no breathing easy for Oklahoma State. But they both know we keep winning, we're in. Yeah. But the slightest slip up, and there are four, five teams behind <laughs> you, um, ready to take your place. Yeah, I mean, it it is insane the way this Big Twelve has shifted from us saying, "Well, it's clear we're going to be Texas and Oklahoma." Yeah. After the Red River rivalry, wow, I said that round the first try. Um, to that, to now where we are, where you know, just a slip up, and I mean, we're talking about one slip up from o Texas and Oklahoma State. We're looking at maybe a Kansas Iowa State. Big 12 titles. That's or something that would be insane, but possible still is a West Virginia Iowa State Big 12 championship. <laughs> It'd take a miracle, but, but it could possible. still happen. Get it, get it done, guys. Yeah. Uh, and West Virginia, you know, they play Oklahoma this weekend, so they could take even bigger control. They can maybe move up depending on, you know, how it goes with Kansas and Kansas State. Uh, they can maybe take full control second or you know, it gets thinner there. I mean, the loser of Oklahoma and West Virginia this weekend is officially out of that Big yeah. 12 title race. So, um, yeah, that's a big matchup that maybe not as many people are talking about due to some losses, but it's just as important. And, man, I can't wait to see how these final few weeks go down. I I'm excited. Yeah, it, absolutely exciting in the Big 12. Washington, massive win against UFC or USC. UFC, we going fighting? <laughs> yes, let's a little brawling. 52-42. Um, and while Washington gets this big win, and I think it helps them out, USC did not belong in this game, and they kind of left USC in the game. Yeah. Um, it was almost like they were playing to their competition mm -hmm. uh, in this one. Uh, and I, I hate to see that. This is a team we both thought shouldn't have been ranked right. still. Um, this is a team they really should have dominated, and they did not do that. No, um, they... they left them in the game uh, for far too long. So... A knock against Washington here. Ordinarily, this is a win that gets you on my team of the week list. And in this case, it did not just because of the performance. I, I feel like Washington didn't play their best football. Yeah, and that's really been the story, the, what, the, the past four, five weeks. And uh, the important thing, though, I give them credit, was they were able to get the win. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they're, they're right on the edge. They're number five in the playoff standing. So all they need is one of those top four. All they need is just one little slip up. Just one slip. Just one little slip, and they're going to be able to just slide on into that number four spot at least. Um, but they got to keep on winning. Whether it's ugly or not, they're going to keep that number five spot until they either move up or they suffer a loss. And 
you know, like we said at start of the year, and we said all year long, uh, there ain't no rest for the wicked in this Pac-12 the rest of the season. No, uh, we'll get into a little bit more of what that playoff picture looks like in just a minute, or that conference picture looks like, um, because it is also just as much of a, a, a close, uh, tightly knit race. Um, but Alabama LSU squared off in a matchup that was uh, for big time control in yep. that uh, SEC West, and Alabama gets the job done, forty two twenty eight. Uh, they really didn't look back, and this Alabama no. team is looking better and better week by week as they play better and better competition. It feels like. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, people are like this is an off year for Alabama. If this is an off year, um, can Arkansas have off years like this? I mean, I yeah, I would sign up for an off year of being eight and one. Um, I'll take that. Yeah. Um. But no, this is uh, it was an incredible performance for their offense. Um, my thing with Bama was this needed to be low scoring, I think, because my big thing was I thought LSU would outscore them in this game. That's why I ended up picking LSU. Um, actually, the only game I got wrong in our game picks this week, you, sir, went undefeated in game picks this week. Wow. So um, my, I was the only one that got that one wrong with LSU. So, uh, But I thought it was going to be a shootout. I thought it would be high scoring. That would just go in LSU's favor. Um, but Bama was just rolling on offense, and Jalen Milrow on the ground was phenomenal. And they have figured out what works for this offense and already a pretty stout defense looking really good. Um, yeah, I think it's safe to say that, that Bama's rolling in full, in full gear. But, you know, Ole Miss is right behind them, so you can't slip up at all Absolutely. in these final two SEC games. You got Kentucky, a simple easy game against Chattanooga, and then you're at Jordan-Hare. For the Iron Bowl, which in that game, if it's at Jordan Hare, it doesn't matter if Auburn's five and six, it's going to be a close game no matter what. So Bama needs to be ready to go and finish the season strong because of if they don't, Ole Miss is just going to sneak into that SEC championship game. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And finally, we'll take a look at UCLA and Arizona, where Arizona strings together another big win, 27 10. I watched this game. I was in awe at how well this Arizona team was playing. Um, and I think they might be the new team of the Bull Take podcast here. Yeah, uh, right now they're certainly getting full-fledged <laughs> support from us. Uh, absolutely impressive kind of the way it's gone recently. And now absolutely. let's take a look at this Pac-12 conference picture right now. Washington sits alone at the top, 6-0. and In second place is Oregon right now, 5-1. and Right behind them, 5-2 and USC. And oh, then... Boy. Four and two Oregon State, four and two Utah, and four and two Arizona. So again, plenty of time left in this season, uh, especially for a oh, battle yeah. for second place, where there are a lot of teams competing in the thick of it right now. Uh, and so, boy, it, it's time to get get real. I mean, Oregon can't make any mistakes. USC really can't afford any more mistakes. Uh, and same for Oregon State, Utah, and Arizona. All these teams have to play their best football coming down the stretch. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, no one, and I mean, nobody wants to be playing Arizona right now. Nobody does. And I mean, all they got to do is just keep on winning. And again, just one little slip by Oregon, and they could enter that conversation of potentially playing them, uh, even though, you know, I don't think they actually end up playing this year. Actually, according to what I'm seeing on their schedule, yeah. they don't play. So you wonder – how a tiebreaker could go there because you remember how chaotic the tiebreaker was last year. Started on the tiebreakers yeah. in the Pac-12. Okay. I did a whole breakdown. Yes, I if, if if everybody doesn't remember me doing the whole breakdown that cost Washington their spot. Uh, now Utah ended up winning it, and so I have to take it a little bit back because I was rooting for Utah. I wanted them to win. 
but they shouldn't have been there. Yeah. They shouldn't have been there. But, uh, uh, yeah. But anyway, with Washington, I mean, that's the main one. They have Utah at home this weekend, which that should be an easy win because Utah really doesn't have as much lethal offense. But I tell you, November, November 18th, next Saturday, they are at Oregon State. Hmm. That is, oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, we have to look at that as a spot, a possible college game day spot. Absolutely. Going to Oregon State. Are you kidding me? Oh, man, who would have thought we'd be going to Oregon State for college game day at the start of the year? I yeah. mean, we thought it maybe was possible, but that's a I, treat. Uh, that is a treat waiting to happen there. So handle your business here and Oregon State, and don't think you got it easy because you're playing Washington State who's gone downhill. That is still a talented football team who has beaten some pretty good opponents this year. So, um, yeah, the rest of these teams, I mean, it's simple. For Washington and Oregon, you win out, we're going to get the rematch that all of America wants to see, which, I mean, I think we can all agree. I want to see them play again. Yeah. I think you want to see them play for again. Sure. Uh, and we can see them play for not only a playoff spot, but maybe for the Heisman Trophy, honestly. Yeah, that's absolutely still on the table. Um, but let's take a look at these college football playoff rankings uh, as they came out. And uh, we'll discuss uh, the top. Eight, we'll, yeah. we'll go with the top 10 here yeah. because the top eight didn't change. Yeah. Um one, Ohio State, two, Georgia, three, Michigan, four, Florida State, five, Washington, six, Oregon, seven, Texas, eight, Alabama. And then sliding up one to nine is Ole Miss, and sliding up one to 10 is Penn State. Uh, and, you know, this was uh, how are these, these are the top 10 teams. I, I think that's a, a fair place to say. You yeah. Know, Louisville sitting at 11, they'd literally be in the top five or six if they didn't lose to Penn State or to Pitt. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, like we, again, as we look at these rankings, I mean, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, I mean, that's the top four right there. Georgia still has to play a top 10 opponent in Ole Miss. Ohio State uh, plays Michigan State. That should be an easy win. But Michigan, no hardball this weekend playing a tough Penn State team. And Florida State's playing, I believe it's at Miami. So I'm not going to lie to you. If there's a weekend to maybe mix up this top four and lead to some chaos happening, this could be the weekend that that could happen, and Washington, Oregon, Texas, and Bama could just slide on in and move up in those standings. Uh, this is ideal, and uh, I mean, honestly, this is absolutely, I'm right there with you. This is the top 10 best teams in the country, and to me, it's a little bit close. Maybe with Louisville, you're right, but yeah, that's easily top 10. Yeah, um, it, it. you know, I, I counted this team out. We'll talk about them in just a second. At number 11, we got Louisville. At number 12, we got Oregon State. 13, Tennessee. 14, Missouri. Uh, 15, Oklahoma State. I'd like to see Oklahoma State go a little bit higher. Um, but I talked a couple weeks ago, Oregon State had that loss, and they fell down a little bit. And I was worried that they might not make the top 10. But <laughs> it's back on the table. Yes, it is. Oregon State to the top 10. We're back. We are back. Oregon State fans, I am right there trying to get the Beavers back hey, in the top 10. Listen to me. Hear me out. If they win this weekend, which they are playing against Stanford at home, if they win, Penn State loses to Michigan. Ole Miss, Ole Miss loses, loses to Georgia. Georgia. Y'all are in that top 10. And as long as Washington wins, that's a top 10 matchup. And I mean, they, game day would be dumb not to go there then. So, I mean, if those things work out, you are looking at potentially a top 10 Oregon State team. And not to mention that, a top 10 Louisville team as well. So if those games happen that way, we could see that for Oregon State, and you love to see it. But Tennessee-Missouri is such an interesting game. Those two do play this weekend. And, you know, it's just it's just an interesting game where, you know, and in recent years when they played, it's like, okay, who 
who really cares? Yeah. Uh, but now you got a top 15 matchup. That's going to be a fun one to go along with it. And Oklahoma State on there with you. I wish they would go up more. But at the same time, I think they're downgrading them still. That South Alabama loss, I mean, we have to face it. That is a pretty bad loss. Uh, I, I agree with that. I think my one thing is how early in the season that loss was exactly, and yeah. comparatively to how they're playing now. Uh, I think that's my big thing. But you're right. That is definitely something that factors into it. It's why USC was in the rankings for so long. Look at how well they played earlier. They're just having a couple bad games. It's almost like the opposite. Look at how bad they played at the beginning of the season. They've just had a couple good games. They are, yeah. uh, I, I, I certainly uh, can't wait to see what happens for Oklahoma State. Uh, at number 16, we've got Kansas. 17, Oklahoma. 18, Utah. 19, LSU. And 20, Notre Dame. Um, Kansas obviously getting to move up quite a few spots, actually, for beating Iowa State. Uh, Oklahoma, we saw a massive plummet. And, you know, had this just been a one-off loss, they, they wouldn't have dropped this far. But no. back-to-back losses uh, definitely send you uh, flying down the rankings. Um, LSU is just an interesting story. It they seems are so, They are so much better. They're it seems so as better. soon as they knock on the door of the top 10, they just fly all the way yeah. down. Um, and then Notre Dame staying in the top 20. Uh, I'm happy to see Notre Dame ranked because I think we've seen this year that they're better than the way they played. But I would had, have not been upset at all to see them drop completely out of the rankings just with how poor. I mean, they just played so yeah. poorly against a team that clearly the committee doesn't regard as a top 25 team in the nation right. whatsoever, yeah. even after the win. Um so I, I I don't have any big uh, disagreements here. I, I mean, do have disagreement in the bottom portion of it. Yeah. Uh, at number twenty one, Arizona joining the party, which you love to see. That um, they are truly. I'm gonna say this and call me crazy. I think they're the best three loss team in the country right I don't now. Know, I, think it's close. Um, I think they're easy. The way they're playing right now is just a different level. Um, they're rising. Like you said earlier, nobody wants to play this team right now. I know I certainly wouldn't. Um, at number 22, you got Iowa, who is just hanging around I the mean. rankings. You love to see. <laughs> they're only two lost, but they just they just don't – they haven't gone away. They just won't go away. Um, going to find ways to win in the most ugly fashions yeah. possible. Uh, at number 23, we've got Tulane. 24 North Carolina and 25 Kansas State. I would have really liked yeah, to see James Madison at 25. Uh, North um, Carolina and Kansas State should be in there. Now, Kansas State, I could kind of understand. They played a good Texas team. But this is a North Carolina team who, I mind you, lost to a team, a Virginia team, who this was their first FBS win of the season. And then a Georgia Tech team who – no disrespect to Georgia Tech, that was a little harsh on my another show I did, but they're mediocre team. Yeah. They're an average team in the ACC. I think that James Madison deserves it. And, you know, I mean, don't get me started on the whole, uh, you know, thing with them trying to get eligibility from the NCAA, who will probably decline it again because yeah. the NCAA doesn't like this thing that's called fun. Um, and I really don't know what to say about that. That just infuriates me. But I love seeing Arizona there. I think Iowa, as ugly as they play, they're winning football games. You got to give them credit yeah. for winning football games. Tulane should be there in the rest of them. I just wish they would put James Madison in. I I really wish they would. 
But also, how about shout out to just James Madison in general this week, yeah. upsetting number four Michigan State in basketball to open their season. And not only that, soccer, they upset the number one men's soccer team in the country all in this past week. This is unbelievable. But, and yet they're not eligible for anything. Thank you, NCAA. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad that they really did that. Um, that makes everything so much more fun. Uh, the one thing I'll give the committee credit for here, um, try and cut them some slack as far as the James Madison situation is concerned. Right. Maybe they're not ranking them just because they know the NCAA is not going to let them play a playoff game. Uh, so they're recognizing teams that are allowed to play. Um, I mean, that doesn't really mean anything to me. I think it would make more of a statement to the NCAA if you put them in the t- top 25. Right. Um, but I, have, I genuinely do think that it's no ill will. It's just – the NCAA is not going to let them play in a game, so they're ranking someone else instead. Uh, not a great defense, but I think it's—I I don't think it's malicious intent from the college football players. No, no, I just—I just wish they would do it. Come on, give us some fun. If you're not going to let them go to a bowl game, you should at least be ranking them. Absolutely, I completely agree. But let's talk about our team and player of the weeks now from yeah. this past week. Had a lot of excitement. Um, but we'll start with team of the week, and I'll start with my top five. I put Oklahoma State at number one. Uh, this team's been rolling. They play the last bedlam, at least for the foreseeable future, um, and they win it in thrilling fashion uh, at home. Just not not enough you can say about how well this team's playing right now. Has to go number one. Bama at number two for me. Um this team gets a big win in the SEC West. Had a rough-looking start to the season, even though they only have the one loss. But rough start, um, and they get that win uh, against LSU to really keep firm control at the top of the SEC West and hold it down right now. The one loss out of conference, it's massive to be undefeated in conference right oh, yeah. now for this team. Um Clemson at number three, I thought this team played its best brand of football. If this team played like this every week, they'd be undefeated. I, oh, I, yeah. I truly and can't I believe. Turnover in the red zone against Duke. Yeah. And yeah. I, I truly can't believe that this team has so many losses when you see them play like that. But that just hasn't been the story of the season. Uh, at number four, I'm with the Arkansas Razorbacks getting a big win against Florida. Uh, Florida's no pushover this year. And finally, the Arkansas Razorbacks get a big win and look a little bit better. And at number five, I went Arizona. Another massive win for this team gets this team in prime spot. They get ranked. Uh, they're in competition for that Pac-12 championship game. And the future looks bright for the Wildcats. Yeah, so my number one, uh, right there with you, Oklahoma State. I got to give them absolute credit for a big-time win. Two, Alabama, same thing. Big-time game, big-time win. Number three, got to give credit to them. As much as I hate, it breaks my heart yeah. to say it. You got to give credit to Army. Absolutely. Um, got to salute them. They came, they came out. They dominated an Air Force team that we that had looked unstoppable against everyone else they had played. Number four, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly am proud of myself and also a little bit disappointed in the Razorbacks. So this is the first time that I've actually put Arkansas in this list. Yeah, I wish I could have put them in it like 500 other times. But um, it was a great win for them. And, you know, it's amazing how things shift just like that. And, you know, I hate saying it, but I don't think how with a win like this, first ever win in the Swamp, number one, you wonder if this win maybe gives Sam ultimately another year or two. Yeah, that, that might be the worry. Yeah, that's, um, that's, my, that's my big concern with it. Uh, number five, I was about to say, I don't know if I revealed this one to you yet, have no. I? Uh, this one, right there with you. I have to go with Arizona as well. Um, like I said, this is a team of destiny. It yeah. feels like it. 
they literally feel like the Utah from the past two years where dread it run from it <laughs> that two lost or three lost teams going to arrive in the Pac-12 yeah. title games and ruin the Pac-12's playoff hopes. So had to put them on the list. Yeah, absolutely. Love to see it from them. Um, we go to social media on Twitter. Uh, Oklahoma State, Arkansas, Bama, and Army all collecting votes. Had a lot of uh, mayhem unfolding there. Uh, and then on Instagram, we had Oklahoma State and Arkansas collecting extra okay. votes. And that made this finale uh, super close, 22 to 20, first and second Whoa. place. Uh, but that'll be Oklahoma State hauling in the 22 votes. Arkansas at 20, right there on the doorstep. Uh, but the Cowboys, they get the job done uh, in Stillwater, hold it down, and now prime for a Big 12 title shot uh, if everything holds yeah. for the rest and of the season. Just to get some news from that Michigan news you broke at the beginning. Apparently, Michigan confirms in a statement that it will seek a court order to fight this decision for Harbaugh to not be on the sideline. Wow. I don't think that's how it works when you play in a conference. Yeah. It's a final decision from Big Ten that it calls, quote, hasty and claims it violates – quote, the conference's own handbook. Um, so, I guess we'll see. you know, and in my personal opinion, just to add it real quick on that, and then we're going to get into player of the week is you add all this off the field stuff with already what's going on with the players at this point in the season. Why not just play it out at this point? You're losing for the final three weeks. You try to fight it. It might take two to three weeks in court to ultimately get it overturned. So, yeah, I mean, you think about it. Uh, if you can get something ordered from the courts, uh, by tomorrow, that'd be a miracle. Um, so, I mean, I don't get what the point is. Now, if this was early in the season, I would say, you know, yeah, go for it. Yeah. But I mean, there's three weeks left. I don't know what you can do specifically with that. I get it. These are big games. You want to have Jim Harbaugh, but, uh, my, I guess my advice would be don't cheat. Um, that would be an. Yeah, it'd be an alternate <laughs> solution. Um, but now into the players of the week. Uh, my number one player of the week. I'm with Phil Moffa. Uh, kind of like Phil. I talked. Phil Moffa. Uh, you know, as I talked about a little bit earlier, uh, this was a big game for him. He's had some trouble uh, this season. He's the number two back. Uh, had some big mistakes that have definitely cost Clemson this season. Um, but had to step up in a big spot against a feisty Notre Dame defense. Uh, in place of Will Shipley, who didn't play at all and had over 100 yards on the ground, multiple touchdowns, and really helped carry this Clemson team to a victory uh, on the offensive end. Uh, had to give him the big nod there. Uh, at number two, I went Jacob Zeno, quarterback from UAB, threw for almost 500 yards and five touchdowns uh, and a UAB win. Uh, I, I thought I had to go ahead and get a, get a nod to fair. some of the smaller universities fair. out there. Um, at number three, I had Ollie Gordon, over 100 yards on the ground, multiple touchdowns. Same old song and dance we hear from Ollie Gordon every week. Right. Um, but in a big matchup, felt like I needed to give him credit. At number four, I went K.J. Jefferson out of Arkansas. First time I put K.J. on this list, it felt nice. Had a big game, even though he had the one interception, but he threw the game-winning touchdown and looked like the fearless leader that he's been all season, finally able to put in the win column. Okay. Uh, and then number five, Bo Nichols-Paul, DB from Army, had two interceptions. Mm -hmm. Shout out. So mine, a bit different from Austin's. I think for the most part, I think, uh, and I, again, I like this, that we're getting very different. Yeah. On these. Number one, Dylan Johnson, running back for Washington. Uh, I mean, granted, it was against arguably the worst defense in college football, but still 256 yards, four touchdowns on the ground. Um, incredible. Number two spot, 
LeJounte Webster from Fort Atlantic. And this is actually, I think, a historic one. This is the first time I've picked a player from a losing team on this list. Wow. And from that Fort Atlantic UAB game, uh, LeJounte, 11 catches, 220 receiving yards, three touchdowns. I mean, the man did everything he could to try to will him, but they were no match for Jacob Zeno. That's tough. <laughs> and that shows just how much fun that game was. Uh, number three, I had to go Jeremiah Trotter from Clemson. Um, this one, you could just tell, obviously, he had a pick six. You had three sacks along with a pick six. You add that up. I mean, you, you there's no way you couldn't put him on the list, at least in my opinion. Um, number four, had Jalen Milrow. You know, go on, Jalen, four rushing touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> have to give him credit. And number five, he didn't go in the polls, um, but I'm glad you did have him in the polls. K.J. Jefferson at number five. Um, like I said, Anytime there's a chance I can put a Razorback on this list, he's going to be in my top five somewhere. For sure. Uh, on Twitter, we had Ollie Gordon, Dylan Johnson, and LeJounte Webster all getting votes. Uh, and then on Instagram, it was Ollie Gordon and Dylan Johnson leaving a Razor. I was about to say, the Ollie, decision. Gordon, Ollie Gordon for what? The second? Uh, it's going to be 13 to 11. Dylan Johnson is going to take it home. Okay. Over Ollie Gordon. Um, but yes, uh phenomenal, phenomenal uh weeks for these guys. Uh yeah, it would have been at least the second week in a row, maybe I mean, the third week in a row for Ollie Gordon. I, I don't know. I don't have last four or five weeks in, in at yes. least in our top five somewhere. He's been making my list a lot. He's a guy I circle and make sure I check on how he Man. played every week. Shout now, Oklahoma State, shout out Dylan Johnson, our team and players of the week. And again. It's great to have a different representation in different spots each and every single week. Absolutely, and I love being able to go through every week and picking it apart. Uh, like I said, went out of my way. Jacob Zeno, former Baylor quarterback, if anybody remembers. Oh, uh, that I didn't... Yeah, he came in, oh my gosh, a couple of years ago, Big 12 championship. Uh, Charlie Brewer gets hurt, and he throws that massive touchdown oh, on like his first play. Because I think Brewer was hurt coming into the game, and then Bohannon, Jerry Bohannon, was playing terribly. So they brought in Jacob Zeno, and he threw like that 98 yard touchdown, wow. Big 12 championship game. Yeah, it was like, that was a crazy game. Uh, but yeah, a former Baylor quarterback comes in and gets the job done. Love seeing the representation, love getting to, uh, you know, acknowledge uh, tons of talented athletes uh, in the college football landscape. But now let's go take a look at some big upcoming matchups from this coming weekend. Oh, boy. Um, absolutely. And let's start with Alabama facing off against Kentucky. This Kentucky team's no pushover, even though they're 6-3. and three. Alabama, uh, again, it, it's close up there at the top. Can't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, Ole Miss is right behind you with only one loss in conference, and they've got themselves a test this weekend as well. Um, but a win keeps you in control no matter what loss you got to worry a little bit. Um, but I, I think this is going to be a fun game to watch, uh, but I, I don't know how Alabama doesn't come out on top. I mean, it just seems like kind of a tricky game, and, you know, they, Alabama would clinch it. If Ole Miss were to lose and Bama wins, they clinch it outright, and they don't have to stress anymore after this week. But it just seems weird. 11 a.m. kickoff in Lexington. Kentucky's not a bad team. Yeah. It's it's just – I don't know what it is. It just, it just seems like a weird – game to me it's like whenever Clemson plays those 11 a.m big games it just always feels like something weird's gonna happen um but yeah I mean uh Bama it's pretty simple shut down the Kentucky run game and make Devin Leary beat you with his arm 
it shouldn't be a problem at all. Absolutely. Uh, and then we've got uh, number 21, Arizona, facing Colorado. Um, this is on Pac-12 Network, which I hate, but I can understand how at the beginning of the season you might thought nobody would want to watch this That's game. That's a fair point. I can't say um, I blame them. But I would like to watch this game. Uh, it'll sure be interesting a YouTube game. stream somewhere. That's fair. <laughs> uh, where 6-3 and three, Arizona, they, they take on Colorado here in a game that, you know, they they should win. Uh, but they've been winning a lot of games that they maybe shouldn't have. Yeah, you wonder if luck catches up to them uh, and time runs out or if this Arizona team keeps playing uh, at this high level that they've been playing all year and get the job done against Coach Prime. I mean, this feels like, I know it's weird to say it's a trap game for the 21st ranked team in the country, but this feels like a trap game. You just had three huge wins in a row. Now you're playing a Colorado team who everything says is going down. You're playing at Colorado. No one's going to be able to watch the game because it's on Pac-12 Network. Yep. Um, or maybe five people that have Pac-12 Network. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's available to five people. Yeah. Um, okay, maybe maybe the, it's the most exclusive uh, service you on Planet Earth. Yeah, I've seen video of it being able to be played on some of those really fancy fridges. Wow. Like, on them, you could play it on there, which is like, but it's the only place you could watch it. So if you want to watch Pac-12 Network, he's watching it across the fridge. Um, but yeah, this feels like a trap game for Arizona. Um, they just got to be able to capitalize. I don't know what else to say. They should be able to win this game um, pretty comfortably. If this Colorado offense, which has been good in recent weeks, they switched to Pat Shermer making play calls, who, if you forget, um, was a two-time failed NFL head coach. So, you know, logical that he would help solve your offense. Yeah, Made it worse against Oregon State last week. So, um, yeah, if they continue with that kind of offensive performance, this should be easy for Arizona. I completely agree. Uh, Florida State faces Miami, um, and truly this is not a tough test for Florida State here. Um, but they've got to keep their eyes ahead. Uh, this is a part of the season now where, like we said, they've clinched the ACC championship. So nothing truly matters in the ACC regard. You're kind of looking ahead to that ACC championship. But get caught too much looking ahead. You lose a game down the stretch. Uh, and you might cost yourself a college football playoff berth. Um, so got to keep winning to stay relevant in the college football playoff uh, as you head into that ACC championship. And Miami, another team that's not a pushover this year and can make some noise. Uh, six and three should be seven and two. Um, so this isn't an easy matchup. Can't get caught looking ahead here. No, they absolutely can't be can't be caught looking ahead. And I actually lied to you all earlier. The game is in Tallahassee, so forget anything I said about it being at Miami earlier. This shows what lies I know. through his teeth. Um, yeah, like I say, guilty and charged there. Um, yeah, they can't be caught looking ahead. You're absolutely right. I think that's a very fair statement here. Um, it's an in-state rivalry, so I don't think they will be caught looking ahead. Yeah, but yeah, they already have their spot in the ACC title game locked up now. Can they finish it off, get to 10-0, and and know you can finish conference play undefeated and then win those two non-conference games, and you have an undefeated season and still a playoff spot on the line. they got to handle this game against the in-state rival. I completely agree. Uh, we've got 7-2, and two, number 22, Iowa, facing off against 6-3, and three, unranked Rutgers. Uh, and this will be... Uh, I was going to say a fun matchup, but uh, it'll be fun for me to watch. I don't know if the average person will find this game fun. Well, you know, total Austin, but we are currently at 28 on the over-under, which is the lowest 
in the history of college football. The lowest over-under in a game ever. I think I might take the under. Maybe. I, I, I mean, might take it, the it under. Seems, it seems tempting. It seems very, very tempting, especially with that Iowa-Northwestern game last week at Wrigley Field, which wasn't even the most highest-scoring game at Wrigley Field this year. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, uh, the, the Cubs got you beat on that one. Um, but, I mean, this is interesting for that, I mean, that big – for that Big Ten West for Iowa. I mean, they need to keep on winning. They're in full control. And, I mean, the Big Ten West is always a close race. They're four and two. Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota are all three and three just waiting for them to slip up. Yeah. So they got to be able to get the win here at home. Iowa usually does perform really well at home, so I'm expecting them to win it. Uh, but, yeah, they're looking to set up um, what – I guess you could say would be an intriguing matchup against the winner of the gauntlet. That is the other side of the big 10. <laughs> yeah, I completely uh, agree with that statement there. And, you know, Oklahoma state plays a big trap game or not Oklahoma state, Oregon state plays a big trap yep. game this weekend uh, against Stanford. Um, also on PAC 12 network because the PAC 12 does not want you to watch their football games. Uh, but Stanford, has had some crazy come from behind magic mm -hmm. against Colorado. They're three and six. Can't look past them because boy, boy, you'd love to look ahead to next weekend and think of what might happen. This team could slip into the top 10, probably going to get college game day. If you and Washington come out on top in this past weekend, or even if you come out on top, it might be enough to get college game day. Uh, no matter what happens to Washington. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we're looking at it here. You can't look ahead. It sounds so sweet, but teams are starting to get to this part of the season where there are some matchups you think, ah, I got it. Let's get ready for the next week. Yeah. Can't do that. Can't do Maybe that. They send someone out to scout the next game. You don't yeah. know. <laughs> uh, apparently there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, if you ask any Michigan fan, uh, but it's, it's going to be a tough game. I think it's a game that Oregon, Oregon State wins. But, again, you can never get too comfortable in college football. No, you never can. Like I said, this is the month where more chaos happens than any. So, you got you always got to be ready at all times. West Virginia, Oklahoma face-off. And, uh, like we talked about earlier, winner of this game stays in competition. Loser of this game is definitely out of the Big 12 title race, barring a miracle. Um, but... Oklahoma, they need this win. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're on a two-game skid. Uh, they looked like one of the top teams in the country. I mean, there were arguments two weeks ago that this team should have been in the top four uh, and fighting for a national They're fighting to maybe keep in the rankings after this game. Yeah, so I uh, need a big win. West Virginia's had an interesting season, uh, definitely better than in years past. Um, but now they look to stay relevant, could get a big win that pushes them into the rankings. Uh, if they're able to defeat Oklahoma. And boy, oh boy, that'd be an interesting, interesting victory to see. What do you see out of this game? Um, I see a close game because these two in recent years, they have seemed to have played uh, some close matchups against each other. Um, but I do really like West Virginians here. I've been a fan of them for most of the season. Uh, and I will be rooting for West Virginia in this game. Uh, I'm just going to be flat out completely biased with you. I'm with you. I will be rooting for West Virginia Mountain Mama to absolutely win this game in Norman. Um, but if Oklahoma wants any chance of still keeping their chances of winning the final year of the Big 12, they need this game. And they need to come out and play with desperation and win this game if they want any shot. 
Or do they just want to coast the end of the year like pretty much like they did last year after a strong start when I said, I can't believe they're in the top 10. I kind of just forgot they were there. And then they yeah. lose to Kansas State. They get blown out by TCU, blown out by Texas, and just fall off to end the season. So, yeah, they got to come out ready to play against a scrappy and tough West Virginia team. I completely agree. And uh, fine, the final matchup we'll look at here is uh, USC-Oregon, and this is actually a pretty big game, even though USC's fallen out of the rankings. Uh, this is a battle for second place yep. uh, in the Pac-12, and USC does themselves a massive favor getting a win here. I don't know if they'll have the tiebreaker because uh, I have to go back and review the tiebreaker rules for how to get in, but I know it's not regular season record uh, outside of conference play. Yeah. Uh, so USC doesn't have to worry about that uh, whatsoever. Um, so we'll see what it is uh, and what helps. But at very worst case scenario, you win this game, you're tied for second place with yep. Oregon. And then you just need one more mistake from Oregon. Maybe, uh, I think it has something to do with uh, conf- uh, the opponents you played in their record uh, in conference. Yeah, you're uh, from last year. I know that's one of the tiebreakers. I don't know if that's the next tiebreaker. Uh, but so it could just depend on uh, who you played. I remember being upset that who Utah played right. cost, I, 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 yeah, I cost them or cost Washington the shot to go in because they played Cal and Utah didn't. I think that's what it came down yeah. to. But, I mean, Oregon, you got to win this one. You're at Arizona State. And then, I mean, the big one. The Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, you're hosting Oregon State, who, depending on a result of games over the next couple of weeks, that's maybe another top 10 matchup. And maybe that one, like in early in the early 2010s, that was a game that usually determined who was winning the Pac-12 some years. Yeah. So that could be a fun matchup if things were to work out the way they could for Oregon and Oregon State. But Oregon's going to handle this game. And I don't know, you think the over-under, this is just insane that this is the same sport. Um, look at the over-under for that game, Austin. 77. Opened up at 73 and a half. It has gone up to 77. And we were just talking about Iowa Rutgers with 28. Yeah. Um, it's, same, uh, sport. Crazy. same sport. It's yeah, still talking college football. Um, but I'm with you. I think Oregon probably comes out on top. But USC still got something to play for, so they shouldn't uh, fall away in this one. Um, now let's get to those game picks. We got four of them for you this week because we got four incredibly massive games yeah. uh, that are going to be a treat. Uh, treat to watch. Um, starting off at 11 a.m., we've got Michigan versus Penn State and the stupidest tradition in all of college football, and that is Big Ten noon kickoff uh, that I just absolutely despise putting the biggest. I think that we not have a late night wide out Penn State at night with Michigan coming to town. How in the world did they let that happen? That's exactly what I am saying How? right here right now. With Big Noon kickoff, I'm offended that Penn State allowed this on Big Noon kickoff. I am offended. I'm like I've, I'm just as offended as James Madison should be that they're not in the top 25. Yeah, this is uh, disgusting. But we've got a lot of factors going into this. It seems like a lot of off the field stuff uh, in these next 24 hours are going to be bothering Michigan uh, heading into this matchup with Penn State. Already going into a hostile uh, environment at Happy Valley. Uh, who do you got in this game? Man, um, like I said, I'm back on the Penn State hype train, and I'm not going to lie to you. I did a radio show where I picked games, too, and I picked Penn State before this news even came out about Jim Harbaugh today. I'm going with Penn State. I got to ride the hype train. I got to – hopefully we got the wheels. Everything's looking good on the engine. Uh, I got to go with Penn State here, and hopefully that could lead to some chaos because I'm – you know, like as much as fun as it is to have five undefeated teams, you know, let's have some chaos. Let's add some fun to what's going to be the rest of this. 
And I think a Michigan loss there could make things interesting because let's say Michigan loses this game but goes and beats Ohio, but beats Ohio State three-way tie in that top of that Big Ten, and they all lost to each other. So yeah, no uh, one's got any tiebreaker there. I mean, that's just chaos waiting to happen. Yeah, I'm asked to do more tiebreaker research um, <laughs> and begin to be more upset. You can learn um, about the Big Ten and learn to be mad at them. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Um, so then, uh, I was about to say, I'm, wait a minute, what is your pick, Penn State? Too, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, you're right. I didn't make my pick, uh, but it is Penn State. I think you've been I'm listening. Sure be, yeah, but I just I think people have been listening long enough to know that I hate Michigan, I hate Ohio State, and I love James Franklin. Um, That's a fair point. So I'm going to go with Penn State. Uh, no real reason. Uh, I think the turmoil certainly helps Penn State, but they look really good right now. Michigan hasn't looked bad, but I think if there's anything to bring them down, it's uh, not knowing if your coach is going to be able to coach <laughs> 24 hours before the game or not. Yeah. Uh, then our second matchup here is Tennessee versus Missouri. Uh, both of these teams are hanging right in there at second place in the SEC mm-hmm. East. Uh, and so, you know, these teams have something to play for. It's a long shot, but you still got something to play for. Got to win these games here uh, down the stretch to stay relevant, stay in competition. Who you got between Tennessee and Missouri? I'm going to go with Tennessee for this one. I know it's on the road in Columbia, but I just feel like Missouri, after that loss to Georgia, I just feel like this is where they play another quality team and they come up just short. And all listen, Tennessee is far from out of it. They win this game and Ole Miss beats Georgia. Georgia comes to town next week with one loss. Tennessee comes with it with another. That's a tiebreaker if Tennessee were to win. That gives them the head-to-head over Georgia. So they would need Ole Miss to win, which is still not the easiest thing in the world for them to do. But you need to handle your business in this game first, and I think Tennessee will do that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, but I'm going to go with Missouri in this one, actually. Uh, I think the loss definitely hurts, and it could keep this team down. But uh, I'm going to say it. Uh, I was there was a lot of hype going into this Tennessee team coming in this year, and they just haven't been that. I think you picked them to win the SEC this I year. I think I did. Uh, they just haven't been as impressive as we thought they were going to be, uh, and whatever that reason may be, we don't know. But they just haven't looked like the same uh, Tennessee from last year. Um, and with that being said, Missouri's looks so good. Uh, I think Missouri's the better team in this one, and I think they're going to come out on top okay. and get the win. Um, then we look at Utah versus Washington. Uh, a ranked matchup out there. Uh, but who do you got? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, it just – this is screaming at you to pick uh, Washington. It's screaming at you to pick Washington. I'm going to pick Washington, but I don't know. I just – I think Utah is going to keep this closer than people think. That That's yeah. my thing. I still think Washington wins. They're still undefeated, and it sets up hopefully a huge matchup with Oregon State next weekend. But uh, I do think Utah keeps this a lot closer than people think. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, Utah's got a great defense. I think that helps them keep it close. Um, but I'm going to go Washington as well. Uh, they're a great team. They're definitely the number five team in the nation. I don't think they're getting slowed down in this matchup. Uh, and finally, Georgia versus Ole Miss. Big, big, big matchup. Top ten matchup. Uh, they're going to be throwing down. Uh, who you got in this one? Mm, man. If this was at Ole Miss, I would maybe pick differently here. Um, but I just got to be honest. I think Ole Miss has a very balanced offense. I think it's probably going to be the best offense. And I know we said Georgia's been testing all their other games so far. This is easily their toughest test so yes. far. And, you know, we can quit griping about their resume if they're able to go out there and blow out Ole Miss this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so 
And if it was anywhere else, I would probably pick Ole Miss. But this is a night game in Athens, Georgia. Are you kidding me? You think I'm going to pick against Georgia in that scenario? They're even even if they were the underdog in this game, there's no way I'd pick against them. I I couldn't do it. I got to go with Georgia in this one. Um, but picking Ole Miss could lead to some fun chaos. So I'll take what I can get, what whatever way from this game. Yeah, uh, Athens is a, a great, great college football Ooh, where's environment. This going? Where's this going? Uh, Georgia has definitely has a great fan base. Man's doing the Lee course go, here. You go into Athens. I went to Athens. Top 10 matchup, Arkansas versus Georgia. You can still hear the dogs um, barking. You, still you can still hear the dogs bark. <laughs> I was getting barked at on the street as I walked to the stadium. Uh, that didn't help that we blared the devil went down to Georgia as we drove through uh, campus uh, on the way to the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that may have had something to do with it. Um, but we uh, – I mean, the first pull drive, we come out after they score a touchdown, and they're just barking. And Arkansas gets three full starts in a row. And, you know, I had thought for so long, um, I was just like, you know, it, it can't when you see when you see those false starts from the road teams and they're like, oh, it's so loud in here. They just can't hear their signals and whatnot. And you don't know when the quarterback snapping the football. And I was like, it just can't truly be that loud. But when I tell you, sitting in Athens, Georgia, <laughs> I'm sitting there, and you can't hear anything, even though you know they're barking, they're barking so loud that it's silence. You just can't hear a thing. <laughs> and I then immediately understood what it's like to be an offensive lineman, have no idea what's yeah. going on. The quarterback's behind you. You can't turn and look at him, yeah. and you're just guessing. That being said, all that long story being said, this is the best offense this Georgia Bulldogs team has faced. Uh, they don't just run the ball well. They don't just pass the ball well. Jackson Dart's been extremely good throwing the football this year. And Kinshawn Judkins has finally snapped into rhythm over these last couple games. Multiple 100-yard <laughs> games. I'm going to go, if there's any offense that could take advantage of Georgia, it's this offense. They've shut down sure. Brady Cook when they needed to. They shut down. Who's the running back for Kentucky? They shut him down Ray's this past year. Ray Davis. Yes, Ray Davis. Um, and they forced Devin Leary to throw the ball, when, and he just couldn't make the plays. Here, it's going to be a lot tougher to shut down both aspects of this game without sacrificing on the other end. I think Ole Miss gets it done in shocking fashion and turns the college football world on its head. All right, yeah, that would be the big win we're talking about. I mean, there's a lot of potential this week. Absolutely. Uh, and finally, let's get into that bet of the week. Uh, some absolutely fun stuff to pick this weekend. And if you know me, you might know where I'm going with my bet of the week this week. Can I, Can I? you know, I know I usually shouldn't do this, but may I take a guess? You can take a guess. If, if it's not one, then I know it's the other. Um, I'm going to assume you are a man that likes the over. I'm going to go the Oregon-USC over. Absolutely. I'm going Oregon-USC over 77. It was 76 when I made this list uh, about when I officially put this in about six hours ago. Uh, and so in six hours, they've already raised the over-under by a point. I'm still taking the over 77. Uh, I think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. Oregon, I mean, it's a talented offense out there in USC. I don't think the Oregon defense is going to be able to make stop after stop after stop after stop. But, that but, <laughs> but we know USC is not making any stops whatsoever out there. This is going to be easy. I think even if this was over under 80, I might take the over. Oh, yeah. Well, number 76 in Oregon, USC, and I raise you 
Rutgers, Iowa, under 28. I raise you that, sir. The Bulls take parlay for you. Literally the exact opposite. The highest of the highs, the lowest of the lows. I mean, I don't think we could have made this any more perfect. I mean, yeah. As why, if you would have said Rutgers Iowa under, I would have probably switched mine to USC Oregon. Hey, absolutely, completely fair. As we sit here right now, I'm going to lock in the bull take parlay yeah. uh, <laughs> of, of the over unders nonsense oh, that we're man. looking at here. Uh, but it's going to be a great week uh, for college football. Uh, absolutely thrilling matchups as we get to the end of the season. We're seeing some matchups be big. Uh, that we knew would be big, like Georgia, uh, Ole Miss, uh, Penn State, Michigan. But we're also seeing some rise up. Arizona, Colorado, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Tennessee, Missouri. Lots of crazy stuff going on in college football. Um, I think you're a sucker if you don't tune in this weekend and see plenty of college football action. I'll be watching it maybe from the bench while I go to my Pee Wee basketball team it's this like, weekend. Hit that shot. Yeah. Oh, oh who scored? Okay. Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good shot. Good I'll shot. certainly be keeping up with it. <laughs> um, but with all that being said, that'll do it for us here at the Bull Take Podcast. I'm Awesome Hill. That's Awesome Waiter. And we want to thank you for listening. Oh.